Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. Self control. I love that. So, just so we have it right, let's look at how this is supposed to go. We have a spirit of power over the enemy. We're to use our power to not let the devil rule our lives and to behave like Jesus wants us to behave. We're to love people and to control ourselves. But so often we love ourselves and want to control people. Come on now, we get it all mixed up. And we want to use our power to control God. We use our power against the enemy, we love people, and we control ourselves. And when we do that, everything starts to work together really sweet and nice. You don't have to live in fear. You do not have to live in fear. You may feel fear, but you don't have to bow down to it. There's a difference in feeling it and giving into it. We're all going to feel fear at different times in our lives, but the only way to conquer fear is to do it afraid. The only way you can conquer fear is to go ahead and do what you know that God wants you to do in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to be aggressive against the enemy. In 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, it teaches us that we are to resist the devil at his onset. Be vigilant. Be diligent. Keep doing what we know we need to do and not let the enemy have the upper hand. We cannot be lazy Christians. We cannot be people who give up easy. We have to stay stirred up in the fire of God, and that's why it's so wonderful to take time to come to things like this and to be in your church on a regular basis and to listen to the Word and to spend time with God. Because I'll tell you, one day in the world can suck a lot of stuff out of you. And I'm just going to tell you, you're not going to survive on a little 15-minute sermonette on Sunday morning somewhere. You've got to have mega doses of the Word of God if you're going to last today. And so I stopped in Matthew chapter 12 where Jesus had been dealing with different demonic spirits and then he said that a strong man cannot come into your house and rob you unless he first would bind the man in the house. And that's talking about really how the devil cannot come in and rob our lives if we will bind him and not let him have authority over us. And it's something that you just do by making a decision. I'm not going to let the devil rule my life. I know the Word of God. I'm going to live by the Word of God. I'm not going to believe the lies of Satan. I'm, I'm going to believe the Word. And so you just come against him. You just, I come against you in Jesus' name. It's very simple. I know who I am in Christ. I resist you in the name of Jesus. You know, we need to be decisive and I've just formed a habit, when I first start getting full, I quit eating. I don't wait till I'm stuffed, because when you first feel full, 20 minutes later, you're going to feel a lot more full. So if you stuff yourself, then 20 minutes later, you're going to be miserable, and then you just feel like this, well, you just feel terrible, just terrible. And so 
I've formed a habit, and even people who eat with me can tell you, when I start getting full, before I feel completely full, I stop eating. The second thing I do is my push my plate away from me, and I make a declaration, I'm done. And I believe that if you want to be successful against the enemy, you need to use a similar formula. You make a decision that you are going to be watchful over your lives. The Bible says watch and pray, and we're not supposed to watch everybody else. We're supposed to watch what's going on in our own lives. I mean, you know, I've had people come to me and say, I'm just so upset the devil's been lying to me. Now, what sense does that make? I mean, if, if you know it's the devil and you know he's a liar, then why be upset about it? But this room is probably full of people who you had many upsetting moments last week because you listened to the lies of Satan and you were not aggressive against him. You didn't say, shut up, no, it is written. You just stood there. You know what a passive person is? It's somebody who wants something good to happen, and they're going to stand there and wait to see if it does. There's two kinds of people in the world, people who wait for things to happen and people who make things happen. Which kind of person are you going to be? Amen? Take your ground. So we are told that we can bind the strong man. Every morning in my prayers, I say out loud, I bind the enemy in the name of Jesus. He has no authority over my life. He is not going to rob me today of anything that is mine. He is not going to rob my family, and we even include our partners in that prayer, and you are not going to rob my partners. Now, I get it started for you, but I can't keep the enemy off you if you're going to let him in. We have authority, but how much authority can we really exercise in somebody else's life? Can I tell you something? You cannot help anybody that won't do their part. You cannot help people that won't do their part. I have the most authority over my life. Next to that, I have some authority in my family and maybe people that I'm close to. But you just cannot help people that will not help themselves. So probably instead of praying for God to help everybody, we need to pray for people to get activated and let God help them. James chapter 4, verse 7. Love this. We usually only quote half of this. I heard it for years. Resist the devil and he will flee, but that's not what the Scripture says. It says submit yourself to God. <laughs> Be subject to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I might as well just say there's no point in trying to resist the devil if you're not going to make a decision that you're going to submit to God. wonder how many people go to study the Bible and they've already made their mind up that they're going to obey what they learn. This is not a selective thing. Do you know that it's actually dangerous to read the Bible? You say it. What do you mean? Well, because if you're ignorant, you might get a little past. But once you know what's right and don't do it, and don't say, well, I'm just not going to read it then. No, because now you'll be held accountable for that too. But I wonder how many even had this thought. 
I'm going to go over to that conference tonight, Lord, and I'm so excited to learn something, and I already make my mind up before I ever even hear it that whatever you teach me, God, I'm going to do it. Hmm. No, you know, we kind of hear it, and if we don't like it, we just let them and go. Or we make excuses, well, that's too hard, or you don't understand, or or then sometimes we play dumb, well, I don't really quite understand that. <laughs> so I really want to encourage you from now on when you study the Bible, and, you know, I was talking to another minister today who is well-versed in Scripture. And I said, is there any place in the Bible where it says read the Bible? We couldn't think of one. It says study. There's a difference in reading and studying. And we read for quantity to get our little check mark in our heavenly calendar so God's happy with us for the day. And what we need to do is go to this thing like it's our life. When you know this and you believe it, you become dangerous to the enemy. When you put your feet on the floor in the morning, demons scream. She's up again. <laughs> you have power and authority. You can bind the enemy. You can submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will Please. Do you know that you can rebuke and resist a bad mood? Well, I can't help how I feel. You can if you want to. And the best way to resist it is at the onset. The minute you start to get some kind of goofy thought about how pitiful you are, come on. The minute the devil invites you to a pity party, say, no, I've been to those, they're not enjoyable, they're counterproductive, get thee behind me, Satan. These are the kind of the things we got to watch for. We watch and we, and we pray. Wait a minute, I, you know, I said yesterday I had a fault-finding day. I mean, I was just, everybody's flaw, I was seeing it, it was like, whoa. Well, you know, that's not normal for me. And that's not what God wants. As you have to realize, that is an attack of the enemy trying to distract you and get you to lose your focus. Are you with me? Has anybody noticed how hard it is today to stay focused on anything for even a few minutes? The Bible says in Matthew 11:12, The kingdom of God has suffered violence from the days of John the Baptist until the present time but the violent take it by force. It's talking about, if, if you look at the Greek, it says the kingdom of God has suffered abuse and attack, but the energetic take it by force. Instead of just letting the enemy be violent with you, get violent back. But don't get violent in the flesh, get violent in the spirit. Jesus was explaining to his disciples that it wasn't going to be long and he was going to be leaving them and going to 
pay the price and go through the suffering that he'd been trying to tell them about. And in verse 22 it says, Then Peter took him aside to speak to him privately and began to reprove and charge him sharply, saying, God forbid, Lord, this must never happen to you. But Jesus turned away from Peter and said to him, Get behind me, Satan. Now, the devil will work through people to try to derail you and distract you and get you away from what God wants you today to do on any given day. I mean, I don't know. Let's just take something practical. You're a mom. Uh, you've gotten somebody that's going to watch your kids that day. You've got a plan. You are Today you are getting your house in order. I mean, you are getting the laundry done. You're getting the dishes done. You're cleaning out that closet that's driving you batty. You're going to balance the checkbook that hasn't been balanced in two years. You're like, this is it. Now, the enemy doesn't want you to have any order because he wants the disorder to drive you crazy. And he wants you to get to the end of another day and feel like a total failure because you had a good plan and didn't work your plan. And so a friend calls. What are you doing? Oh, I'm getting ready to do this and so and this and so. Well, what are you doing with the kids? Oh, I got... Somebody's watching them for me today. Oh, you don't have any kids? Listen, there's a big sale out at the mall. Let me pick you up and we'll go and I'll take you to lunch. Now, your friend may be as sweet as she can be. She's innocent, but the enemy is still using her. She's not a wicked person, but the enemy is still using her, especially if you say no and she keeps trying to talk you into it. We need to stop trying to talk people into doing what we want them to do and pray for them to be led by the Holy Spirit. Did you hear what I said? We need to stop trying to talk people into doing what we want them to do and encourage them to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, it might be better if the friend would say, well, you know what, I, I know that your disorder's been really bugging you. I think I'm going to come over today and help you. That would be better. When somebody hurts you, it's the enemy trying to bring you down. When somebody you hear that somebody's been talking about you, it's the enemy trying to bring you down. When you have a dream and a vision for your life and people tell you how that could never happen to you, that's the enemy trying to bring you down. We war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. Stop getting mad at people for what the devil is trying to do to you and start stop coming against the people and start coming against the enemy. Think about Jesus. Here he's here for an assignment from God. He's getting very close to the time to fulfill the will of God. It's going to be hard enough already. He needed some encouragement, not some discouragement. And Peter, one of his closest friends and associates, says, Oh, no, Lord, this, this is wrong. This is all wrong. This can't happen. This is not right. And Jesus immediately recognized what was going on. Get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense. You're in my way. You're, in a, you're a hindrance. He knew that the enemy was using him to try to keep him from doing the will of God. Now, I don't necessarily suggest that you look at your friends and say, get there behind me, Satan. 
that might not be the best plan. But I do suggest that you know in your heart what's going on, and maybe under your breath you turn around and say, uh-uh, devil, you're not doing it to me. How many of you, when you just think a little bit about the week you've just had, you now realize that the enemy used a person? How about a person to upset you? A person to get you to lose your peace? A person to cause you to lose your focus? A person to discourage you? We war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. Learn how to stop blaming people and start dealing with the source of the problem spiritually. In the spirit, you deal with those problems. Amen? The devil works through people to try to get us out of the will of God. There's no point in getting mad at them. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, we, we probably get used in the same way sometimes. People can make us angry, hurt us, betray us, tell lies about us. But now here, here's a big thing I'm going to tell you. Instead of getting mad at the people, now this is the big secret in the Word of God, so listen up. Somebody hurts your feelings. You hear somebody's gossiping about you, and it just crushes you. You're really hurt because it was somebody you trusted and loved. Your first temptation is to get mad at the people, but then you realize it's just the enemy trying to upset you. And you know how important it is to keep your peace. So you say a little prayer. Who knows? Maybe just go to the bathroom. You're out in public or something. You say, Lord, I thank you that you're on my side and no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And I rebuke the enemy in Jesus' name. I know that this is not really the person. It's the enemy trying to hold me back. Then, then, instead of getting mad at the person... You do what the Bible says in Romans 12, 21, and you overcome evil with good. So if somebody tried to hurt you, your response is, I'm not only not going to get mad at you, I'm going to resist the devil, and I'm going to go a step further and go do something nice for somebody. Well, if you're a believer in Christ, God has already given you authority over the enemy. Speaking God's word out loud is a great way to exercise that authority. And today, we're offering you a book that's going to help you learn the power of speaking God's Word out loud, and also how to do it. We've divided up scriptures for specific subjects, so when you're having a problem with anger or you're having a problem with fear, you can open right up that area, confess those scriptures out loud, and I believe that it's going to help you, and it's going to certainly drive the enemy back into the darkness where he belongs. And so be sure that you get your copy of this today. So stay with me, and I'll be back with a closing thought right after this. Learning how to do battle with the enemy, with the Word of God, is the best thing you can learn. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. It is a weapon against forces of darkness. Today we're offering a gift edition of Joyce's book, The Secret Power of Speaking God's Word. Inside, scriptures are organized in over 50 topics, so you can quickly find the encouragement you need. There's something going on like worry or anxiety, you can look up and then there's all those scriptures and then you can speak them out and meditate on them. So those are, that's super helpful to me. This resource is available for your gift of $20 or more. Call us, 1-800-727-9673 or visit us at JoyceMeyer.org. 
Is there anybody that's bold enough to say, I don't want to live a life that I'm just putting up with? You might not have a good start, but you can have a good finish, but a lot of it is up to you. Do you really love your life, or are you just kind of putting up with it, going through the motions day after day? You know what? If you are, I can help you. I've written a book called Living a Life That You Love, and with God's help, you can learn to do that. Order your copy today. I love that magazine she sends out. There's something in there for everybody. The Enjoying Everyday Life magazine is free. Subscribe at JoyceMeyer.org to read encouraging articles from Joyce and much more. Reading through the magazine confirms for me God's at work. Well, here at Joyce Meyer Ministries, we're able to broadcast the Word of God to people all over the world. This TV show is translated into more than 90 languages. We also get to show Christ's love to people in very practical ways through children's home, prison ministry, refugee relief, many, many, many other things. Today we're asking you to partner with us in doing this work around the world. All we ask is that you send in a financial gift on a regular basis, whatever you feel like that God puts on your heart. The main thing is we need you to be regular. You know, I always like to tell people, you don't have to wonder if I'm going to be there for you with another message the next day. I'm faithful in doing the work I need to do to bring you the teaching that I bring you. And I'm asking you to be faithful in partnership with us. And together we can really make a difference in people's lives. And I believe that when you partner with us, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to really love knowing that you're helping hurting people all over the world. So sign up, become a partner today, and let's do this together. We hope you have enjoyed today's program. Please contact us or visit JoyceMeyer.org to share your prayer requests see the conference schedule, or partner with us in sharing Christ and loving people all across the globe. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Joyce Meyer Ministries. You cannot blame and be blessed at the same time. You can play the blame game or you can be blessed, but you can't be both. Nowhere in here does he say, you better have it all together. He loves you because love is who he is. You've got an appointment with Jesus. Jesus walked in here right now and stopped right there. Would he have your attention? He's saying, I am the resurrection and the life. When God gets through with us. We'll look like what he said we'll look like. And on your very worst day, he calls us a friend.
to literally be shared all the way around the world. And this is the great offer and opportunity that you and I have to be a part of the Hillsong team. trying to learn how to trust, it doesn't mean it hurt. You keep waiting for the feeling of forgiveness to come. It's not a feeling. It takes faith. I said it takes faith. It takes faith to believe that the same place where the nails were is the same place where the healing is. I'm saying not that God's going to take the scar away, but that he is going to release the greatest strength in your life from the place where the nails were. Life will label you by what you did. And uh, the Bible gives us a little, only John tells us this, because John had the sensitivity to him. When you read his gospel, he tells you things other people don't mention. He said, now Thomas, also known as Didymus. I mean, if we've just got to label Thomas a doubter, can we at least call him doubting Didymus? Because the alliteration works much better. Doubting Didymus. The Bible says that Doubting Diddy, one of the twelve, was not with. Somebody say, he wasn't there. So now Jesus and Thomas got something in common. When they went to look for Jesus' dead body, he wasn't there. When Jesus showed up alive and resurrected, Thomas wasn't there. And Thomas wasn't there. The Bible doesn't say why he wasn't there. I've always heard it preached like he wasn't there because he didn't have enough faith to be there. But the boys inside had the doors locked. They weren't any better. So if we're going to give out nicknames, let's talk about Simon Peter in, inside with the doors locked. How about scaredy cat Simon Peter? Scaredy Simon. How about locked door Levi? Lock him up Levi. And doubting Dippy. And we all have doubts. That's what I'm trying to say. We all have scars. We all have dysfunction. You might have long sleeves, but if I could roll up your sleeves, you've been through something. You struggle with something. Your wife may not know if a God does. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I'm getting really indulgent. I got to get you out of here because the next crowd's coming in. Somebody... Somebody say nails. 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 So the other disciple told him, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said, This is why I call him Doubting Thomas. I call him Honest Thomas. I don't call him Doubting Thomas. I call him Honest Thomas. Truthful Thomas. Because Thomas is like, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it off what you said. I need to see for myself. I got to see Jesus for myself. This has to be real to me. So. Hey, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, unless I see where he suffered, I will not believe in his glory. And unless I put my finger where the nails were, 
and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. Watch Jesus. Now, now I want to point out one thing in verse 26. Look at it. Seven days later, a week later, seven. Seven miles, seven days. God will lead you in a space where you don't understand to create faith in your heart. So Thomas says, I need to see the scars. Jesus could have showed up on the spot. He waited seven days. Jesus could have walked up to Cleo and said, see my scars, it's me. But sometimes he wants to let you walk and wonder and walk and wonder, not because he doesn't love you, but because if your faith needs an explanation, it cannot sustain the trials of life. So he waits seven days. Y'all help me preach this. He waits seven days. Have you ever had to wait seven days? Have you ever had to wait through a custody battle? Have you ever had to wait to see if this is ever going to feel better? Have you ever had to wait through pain, wait through depression, wait through anxiety attacks, wait through bad reports, wait through a newscast? Have you ever had to wait? A waiting waiting period. And then when Jesus shows up a week later, seven. Everybody say seven. seven. Seven days, seven miles. Seven days, seven miles. Just the number of completion. And then Jesus shows up. Maybe just at that point where Thomas is tired of waiting. And the disciples were in the house again. And Thomas, this time, was there. And Jesus walks in. Look at the next part. Though the doors were locked. They still locked the doors. Still scared, but they stayed. Still scared, but they stayed. I still got some addictions, but I'm in church today. God can work with that. I'm still on the road. I don't get it, but I'm still. And this time Thomas was there. He's not going to miss it this time. And Jesus came in, stood among them, and said, Peace. Watch what comes next. Yo, Tommy. Hey, Diddy. Hey, Honest Thomas. I heard you wanted to see my scars. And this is important. Put your finger here. Where? Where the nails were. Isn't that what you needed to see, Thomas? Where the nails were. Now notice something. He didn't say where the nails are. Yo, Tommy, I'm back from the grave. And I need you to see something. Look, Thomas, no more nails. Look, Thomas, they're not here. Put your finger where the sin was. Put your finger where the shame was. Put your finger where they tried to crucify the creator of the world. No more. Somebody shout, no more nails. No more nails. In other words, what held me doesn't hold me anymore. I came to the class today. It's the day of freedom. 
I wish you would push your neighbor till they almost fall over and say, no more nails. No more nails. Now, I've heard so many sermons about forgiveness because we've all been wounded. Raise your hand if life hasn't wounded you yet. I want to see where the liars are in the church because I want to have a special prayer for all the liars who would have the audacity to lie in the presence of God and act like you haven't been wounded. We've all been wounded. Rock Hill, uh, Gaston County, it doesn't matter. Toronto, Canada, you can't, you can't walk the road without being wounded. You can't go to church without being wounded. And you didn't speak to me. That's why I laughed they didn't speak to me. I was in a church one time, and the preacher got on this thing about wounds. And it was so weird, y'all, because he was like, he was, he was preaching about wounds. His thing was try to get everybody to go back and remember all the ways they've been wounded throughout their whole life. He had me thinking of stuff in the third grade, just the craziest stuff, like that was going to bring healing. Look at this. Jesus didn't show Thomas his wounds. He showed him his scars. There is a difference between being wounded and being scarred. That's good. So when I, I prayed about this first word of forgiveness, the Lord told me to talk to you about the nails. Whatever has wounded you, whatever you hide, whatever happened. See, when Jesus shows Thomas his scars, I'm glad he kept his scars. I'm glad he kept that part. I'm glad he didn't stay dead, but I'm also glad that he came out scarred because that gives me hope. And that's how I try to preach. I don't want to preach wounded because if I preach wounded, I'm going to inflict my pain on you. And I don't want to be a wounded parent. I don't want to be a wounded spouse. I don't want to walk around. God spoke to me uh, a couple months ago, and he said, if I've really healed you like you claim I have, why are you still so touchy? Thomas said, I want to see where the wounds were. And when I teach preachers, Jonathan can tell you, I tell them, don't you get up and tell the church all the ways that you woke up at 5.30 a.m. And, you know, if I put you in my pulpit, show the church some of your scars. You can show them the stones that God has rolled away. That's fine. That's a part of it. He is a God of miracles. He is a God who makes dreams come true. And we've all got some stones that he's rolled away, but we've all got some scars, too. So show them your scars. Show them where you didn't get up at 5.30. In fact, show them where you pretended like you didn't hear the baby crying at 5.30 and Anna got up. Tell them that story. Tell them how you almost quit. Tell them how you wanted to throw up the first week you went out to preach after the news media ran a story about you for four days straight saying things about you. Tell them that. Tell them how you were in the bathroom. And you came out smiling. Show them where the wounds were. And it'll give them hope that what wounded me doesn't have to hold me forever. Come on, it's time to be free. It's been been long enough. It's been seven days. Forgiveness doesn't mean it didn't happen. 
The scar shows it happened. Jesus didn't show up and say, what cross? What you talking about? Cross? I don't remember cross. I heard a preacher say one time, this guy's an idiot. He's having his credentials revoked. He said, if you've really, uh, let's get a preacher voice going, if you've really forgiven someone in your heart, you will not even remember the offense. There is a word that comes to my mind to describe what he said, but I'm going to just say it's, it's inaccurate. <laughs> it's not denial. When I say forgiveness, because I've got to be careful because I'm a pastor, right? I'm not just passing through preaching one week, leaving. I'm not trying to just get something. I'm, I'm trying to go on a journey with you and to let you know that when you, when you let go of whatever wounded you so that you can be free and go into the future God has for you, it doesn't mean that you pretend it never happened. This is not denial. The nails were there. My dad walked out on me. Not, not my dad. I'm saying that you could say, my mom had an impossible standard that I could never live up to. And I believe that part of my eating disorder today has to do with that. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I can't let it hold me. I cannot blame her forever. Not if I'm a Christian. Not if I am a Christian. Not if I worship the one who was wounded for my transgression. See, I need to let you know something, because the hardest person you'll ever forgive is not your ex, is not your mom, is not your dad, is not your neighbor who came over your fence and your property line. The hardest person you will ever have to forgive is yourself. See, the truth be told, it is my self-inflicted nails that I have the hardest time letting go of. But I want the devil to know when he comes to hammer at me with accusation. I don't know where you go when that starts to happen, how worthless you are. Have you noticed the devil loves to hammer you? And, and he's got a big hammer. But let me tell you a little secret. He ain't got no more nails. Somebody shout no more nails. The next time the devil hammers you with accusations, shout back in his face. You ain't got no nails. All my nails are in that cross. All my shame is on that cross. Somebody shout no more nails. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. The devil might have a hammer, but he doesn't have any nails. Reach out and touch. The place where the nails were. Where they were. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. It happened. I fell short. It happened. I ruined the relationship. It happened. They abused me in ways that I don't even want to tell my own spouse. It happened. I deal with the traumatic remember. See, it's not, it's not that it didn't happen, and it's not that it doesn't hurt. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness doesn't mean it. It doesn't hurt. I mean, the nails might be gone, but the memory is still there. And it's really easy to forgive sometimes when the person that you're forgiving is gone. 
But when you still have to work out shared custody, when you still have to live with the memory, when you still can't be touched without recalling the shame of when you were touched the wrong way and now you're trying to learn how to love the right way, when you're trying to learn how to trust, it doesn't mean it won't hurt. Away with the preaching that will teach you that the pain will go away when you forgive the offense. It's not that the pain goes away. I'm helping somebody. I'm setting somebody free. You keep waiting for the feeling of forgiveness to come. It's not a feeling. It takes faith. I said it takes faith. I said it takes faith. I said it takes faith. It takes faith to believe that the same place where the nails were is the same place where the healing is. They saw it in his scars. Jesus needed those nails. If they hadn't nailed him to that cross, if they hadn't, if they hadn't punctured, if the blood didn't flow from that place, the power wouldn't be released. I'm saying not that God's going to take the scar away, but that he is going to release the greatest strength in your life from the place where the nails were. Come on, shout, no more nails. It's a declaration. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. It happened. They bullied you. It happened. They lied about you. By the way, not only have you suffered some wounds, but you've inflicted a few too. And it's kind of crazy how we can be comfortable putting all of our nails in Jesus' cross, but then walk around with a pocket full of our own to put in other people. If all my nails are in his cross, that means all of yours are too. I cannot demand to receive a grace from God for me that I will not give to you. And, and so what it means, what it means isn't that it didn't happen. What it means isn't that it didn't hurt. What it means is not that I won't handle it. I might not be able to be friends with you in the same way anymore because I might not be able to trust you. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Don't go emailing your ex on message them on Facebook when you're married now for 12 years talking about will you forgive me in the still of the night, end of the road, flashbacks to prom. It's not that things won't be different. It's not that I won't handle it. But Thomas, I want you to put your finger in the place where I was held to the cross. And I want you to know that what held me doesn't hold me anymore. That's what forgiveness is, friends. It's not that it didn't happen. It happened and it was horrible. It's not that it doesn't hurt. It's just that I'm not going to live in the offense any longer. I've been wounded long enough. Why would I choose to stay wounded 
when healing is in his hands. Why would I keep nailing you to a cross when it's only hurting me? Somebody say, no more nails. No more nails. The Spirit of God is in this place. No more nails. It's all in the cross. All my past, all my shame, it's all in the cross. No more nails. To be free, I got to let go. And I declare over your life today, not that it won't ever hurt again. Not that some things won't need to change. Not that it won't be a process. Remember, this is only mile one of our journey. But if you will put your nails in that cross and trust what Jesus proved, that all things, somebody shout all things. Even the nails. Even Judas. Even that. I talked to a woman who went through the most traumatic childhood experience you could describe. I wouldn't put it in this sermon because there, there are kids who came in. But what she went through was so horrible, yet she was able to look at me in the eye and say, although I wouldn't choose it, and although I'm not saying it was okay or that it was right or that God did it, I'm not trying to justify it. When I see how God has used even the things that I wouldn't choose, it's not that I wanted it to happen. It's not that it doesn't hurt. I'm not going to fake. I'm not going to live in denial. I'm not going to stay in dysfunction. I'm not going to. But, but I, I wouldn't trade my scars for anything because my scars are the proof of his power. Yeah, I got scars. Yeah, I went through it. Yeah, it hurt like hell. Yes, they drove the nails. Yes, it was offensive. And yes, it was wrong. But no, I won't stay here. No, I won't sacrifice my future on the altar of my past. No more nails. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. Come on, shout like you're free. Shout like you're free. How long do you want to stay wounded? How long do you want to stay stuck? It happened. I'm not living in denial. It hurts. I'm not going to live defensive pretending like it doesn't hurt. And I have to handle it. I'm not going to live in dysfunction, enabling dysfunctional situations and calling it forgiveness. But I'm not going to stay here dead when he is risen. No more nails. No more nails. is going on the cross today, all of it, all of it, the sin you did, the sin that was done to you, it's all going on the same cross today, and all things, even the scars, not just the stone, but the scars, all things, 
will work together for the good. Look, Thomas, it doesn't hold me anymore. Look, Thomas, your doubt doesn't have to hold you anymore. Look, Thomas, touch it. You, 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 you see, see my scars? You see, you see my scars? I know you got some wounds. They've been open long enough. It's time. One of the most life-changing resources we've ever released in the ministry is available to you today. I want to let you know about Seven Mile Miracle. Have you ever felt like, I wish I had more foundation to know why I believe what I believe, but I can't go back to Bible college, or maybe sometimes you don't know where to start. This series is for you because we take the seven last sayings of Jesus and we talk about what it means to each of our lives. I love it so much because it's like a personal journey, not just a theology lesson. Yeah, it's like theology for the heart. Right. It's the ability for you to explore big topics but with practical application. And we want to get it in your hands today with your gift of any amount to the ministry. So would you call or go online right now let them know that you want Seven Mile Miracle. This series might be the one that opens you up to new levels of experiencing God, a personal encounter with the resurrected Christ. And I want to walk you through it step-by-step, mile-by-mile. Don't wait. Call or go online now and take the first step in your seven-mile miracle journey. It's not always easy to know what to do or where to go. You question if this is the right path, wondering if you've gone the wrong way. When it feels hopeless and bleak, you can begin to question your faith. I mean, God said he'd never leave you, right? But why do you feel so alone? You want to stop here, give up, and not move on? This is the place where you wonder, why did everything go wrong? You keep trying to figure out the reason for what's happening to you. And when you can't figure out the reason, you want to jump off the road. But if you would reverse the search and believe in your heart what you have not yet seen with your eyes and believe the goodness of God. This journey doesn't start with making sense. This journey starts with faith. Have faith in God. You know what? You don't need to know why to have the faith to keep going because God's not going to leave you here. The second seven miles is when you turn back around and stop running from what God saved you out of and start running toward what God saved you for. Take this seven-mile journey with us. Call or go online to request your copy of Seven Mile Miracle today. Well, you've experienced Elevation as a TV program, but now we want to invite you to be a part of our church family, our extended family, our EFAM all around the world. Did you know you can join us live every single week from wherever you are? We stream all of our full worship experiences live with the preaching and the music, and it's amazing. So here's what I want you to do. Go on Facebook, find my official Facebook page, not one of the fake ones, and then like it. So you can get access to content throughout the week. There's all kinds of stuff we want to encourage you with. But also you'll be able to stream our experiences live on Facebook. So do it right now. Go like the page, Stephen Furtick, official, on Facebook so you don't miss out. And I hope you'll join us for church this weekend.
And I'm not talking about your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, so chill out. I'm not asking you to break up with somebody today. I'm talking about breaking up with comfortable Christianity. Brave with Bobby Houston. You know what? It's easy to comprehend that God has a plan for us when things are rosy. Not quite so when you find yourself in that wilderness season. Do you know what? You either believe that God has a plan for you or you don't. So just decide. You either live in the positive, proactive space of faith, hope, trust that God is actually able or you don't. Brave with Bobby Houston. Because all of us get dirty diapers at times. All of us 
need to be clean, need to be washed, need to be renewed in our minds, in our attitudes, in our spirits. And yet, sometimes we struggle to let God do His work in us. When you got saved, two things happened, really three things. One, you received salvation, freely given from Christ when you believed in Him. Two, you got justified, justification. That happened right then and there, that you were
When you think of love, what does it mean? I'm talking about that love you can't explain. See, I want to go to that special place where there is a love that you can't erase. Oh, 
worship a great God. Clapping is easy, but can you open your mouth and say, Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. Sound like you sleep. (laughs) You look at people right now and say, you don't need to be here. (laughs) What? Yes. I think that's what it is. (laughs) He just got Gabby. He's on the floor and just on the floor. No, I'm here. I'm here. I was just talking, speaking softly. How long are you here for? Another fortune days. No, oh, okay. Anybody else want to say hello, want to pray anything before we open up? I want to open up. A quick question for you before yes, we do that. Oh, yes, no. Mm-hmm. When are you guys coming here? I'm sorry, what's it? No, I'm, I'm following it. Uh-huh. I'm on the phone with it. No, you're fine. <laughs> Do you know when y'all are coming here or no? We're supposed to be coming out. Um... So, uh... <laughs> I got to rent a car and all that other stuff, but we're supposed to be coming Tomorrow. That's what I thought. I was I was trying to make sure I wasn't crazy. Are you crazy? I'll be ready for you. I, gotta, I, I didn't get it. Well, I got a new room. Maybe a bigger suite for you guys in my room. Got a table and everything, so I could bring in chairs and everything. But I was making sure. Yeah, yeah I'll verify everything. As I know of, that's what we're supposed to be. Doing. Okay, that's cool. You know, I get off at six, right? Nah, I have no idea about none. Okay. Yeah, if you guys are here by like six thirty, it's perfectly fine. I'll be in my room and everything. Okay. Yeah. That'll work. Okay, well, I'll get y'all the information and everything like that because I just switched into the suite yesterday because I thought you guys were coming oh. today and I was like, my room's dirty, but it would have been clean by the time I got back. Got there, but yeah, I have time to, and, and then um, I'll try to cook something or have something made or whatever. Uh, anybody else want to say hello? Want to 
Good morning. Oh, what's up, Anne Marie? Nothing. What's up with you, Samuel? Life. That is enough, my dear. What's going on with you? One day at a time. Hi, Sandy Marie. I'm like, good morning. How are you? I'm okay. That's wonderful. Good to hear your voice. Sure thing. I just realized you got your old number back. I'm sorry. You want to go ahead and open up, Marie? I sure will. Dear Lord, Jesus, Heavenly Father, Lord God, Daddy, we say good morning. Thank you, Lord, for just waking us up this morning and allowing us to see another day. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to come before you, Father God, before starting our day, before the hustle of bustles and the distractions, Father God. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to come together on one accord to lift up your holy and your righteous name, Father God. Lord God, each of us are facing something right now, Father God, whether it's spoken or unspoken. But, Lord God, we're walking by faith and not by sight and trusting and believing, God, that you are the God of a turnaround. You are a God of release, Father God. You are a God of deliverance, a God of salvation, a God of finances. Father God, we thank you for being a comforter. We thank you for being a healer. We thank you for just being everything that we need in our lives. And, Father God, we even thank you when you say no, because, Father God, you see the whole picture when we only see what's in front of us. And, Father God, you have kept us from dangerous seen and unseen, Father. Lord God, we ask forgiveness right now of our sins when we took and walked out and stepped out on our own thought process, Father God, and ended up in situations and circumstances that were not right or pleasing in our sight or even separated us from you, Father God, but because of the blood of Jesus, Lord God, mm, the all covering blood, Father God, that saves us all. Lord God, we just thank and praise you. Lord God, we just pray as the call go forth this morning, Father. Lord God, that you will use those speaking, Father God, to to uplift, to encourage, to strengthen someone else, Father God. May the words that go forth be a catalyst to keep us to move forward, Father God, trusting and believing in you. We thank you that you have given sound safe travel, grace, and mercy, Father God. Just touch him as only you can, Father God. Pour to him a double portion of that which he will pour out today. And, Lord God, thank you for our families and just thank you for life in general. Lord God, we love you, we honor you, we praise you. In Jesus' holy and righteous name, we all say amen. Amen. She has so much energy to All good. Anybody else? All good. Huh? I said it's all good. Yes, it is. Else want to pray? Anybody else want to pray going once? Anybody else want to pray going twice? Anybody else want to pray going three times? All righty. All right, Lord, here we go. 
depois cada vocês e vocês e vocês em descer com prática vocês em prática vocês da cá depois cada vocês e vocês e vocês e vocês e com prática vocês em cá from bros cada vocês em descer com prática vocês da cá from bros cada vocês em descer com prática vocês da cá Yes, Father God, who scared the combust, scared the combrasket, who say this could have 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 combrasket, Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father God. Yes, yes, yes. Rombroski de Cossation, Discrepombraska, Combraca, Rombokish, Discrepo, Randis, Kadaka, Rondiski de Cossation, yes, 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 Lord, let the word begin to come forth. Lord Jesus Christ. Let the anointing of God begin to come forth, Father. Let your spirit enter in. Yes. Let your spirit enter in. Yes, Lord. Let your spirit enter in, Father God. Ooh, Father God, I thank you. I call this kid the Kumbuski Diki He. Horumbuski Sherakosandraka da. Horumbuski the Kosi Diski the Kumbraski the Kosi De. Horumbraski the Kosi Diski the Kumbraka da. Horumbuski the Kosi Diski the Kumbraka. Yes, yes, yes. Let your anointing come forth, enter in, and begin to move. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, 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 yes. Let your anointing come forth, enter in, and begin to move, Lord. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, 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 Daddy God. We praise thy name. We glorify you. Woo, Father God. As your spirit comes forth. Oh, yes. Yes. Touch us, Lord, as your spirit comes forth. Touch us, Daddy God. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yaran Koskech, Karakombraka, Romboskech, Diskarakombrose, Randiskarakosandraka, Romboskarakosech, Diskarakombrose, Diskarakombraka, Yes, Ooh, Father God, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hmm. 
Yes, Holy Spirit. We glorify you. Yes, Holy Spirit. We seek your face. Yes, Holy Spirit. Yes, Father God. It's because of you, Lord. It's because of you, Father. It's because of you. Help us. Help us. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, God, Diandu. 
Hmm, rara skidish karomboskirko sandaka. Boska raskirko sede. Koromboskirko sede skirkomboskara kandaka. Koskarandis kirko sede skirkomboskara kandaskarko de. Koromboskirko sesi diskirkompraskirko sede. Koromboskirko sesi nekosesirko sesi nekompraskirko sede. Koromboskirko sesi nekosesirko sandraskirko sede skirkombo. Walk. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Lord. I received that. Walk. Mm. Faith without works is dead. My daddy God just told me to walk. What does that mean? That means as I get up and move, it's going to happen. As I get up and move, Things will begin to move. Things will begin to shift. I I, I pray for that now faith. So now he's giving us that now faith. So now that means we need to get up and move. So, yeah, you can pray as you're walking so you can get specific directions. You can pray as you're moving so you can find out left, right, stop, go forth. But you don't have to pray anymore to see if this is what you need to do. You don't have to pray anymore. Is this the time? You don't have to pray anymore, Lord. I don't know what to do. Get up and walk. For as you begin to move, it will begin to manifest. Come on now. I hope y'all get that. As you begin to move, it will begin to manifest. Not sitting back. Not praying for it to manifest. But working, moving, doing, it will begin to manifest. We've been given permission, and we just got this go signal. That means the race has begun. That means you can get up out your starting block and begin to move and begin to go forth to do that what he's called you to do. Now, my challenge is for if I'm not sure and I don't quite know, Still get up and move because daddy guy says, I need you to move. I tell you all the time, it's even a physics principle. It's easier to get something, to get it in the proper direction if it's already moving than to get an object at rest and get it up to go. Get up and move. Get up and move. He'll correct your course. See, you can start moving and start praying, Lord, is this the right direction? Lord, show me what to do. But get up and move now. 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 All of us have things in front of us that we can do. All of us have things that, that, that we can begin to work on and begin to go. And God will begin to correct our steps. We can't sit back any longer and say, Lord, I don't know, so I'm going to just sit here and wait. God says, no, that time is over with. That time is over with. If you continue to sit and wait, you'll be left at the station for the train is pulling out. Get up and move. There's a work for all of us to do, and the time is now. Father God, I just got to praise you. I got to give you the glory. As you're helping all of us to do that, what you call us to do. Help us to remove the fear element from our lives. Yes, that fear element, Lord. That fear element which screams at us. We can't do it. 
You ain't ready. You ain't qualified. Can't say the time ain't now because God said the time is now so you can scratch that one off your list. Can't say I don't know what to do because I just told you get up and move. You'll figure it out along the way. But what other excuses are you going to say to keep you keep you stuck? Must recognize that's you talking because it ain't the Spirit of God. That's you listening to yourself, your flesh, or listening to the enemy. It is not the Spirit of God that's have you stagnating right now. For God says, move. Father God, I'm asking you to begin to show them what to do, Father. I'm asking for you to begin to impart inside of the Spirit, Lord. That which they need, Lord. Help them, Holy Spirit. Who should it go say it can begin to get an alignment? Mm, he said the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. So you will direct their steps, Lord, but they got to take the steps. You will direct their path, but they got to take the steps. So take the steps. Don't sit stagnant. Don't sit waiting. God says move and move now. For I have chosen this, the time I will bless, I will anoint. I will direct, I will preserve, but you must move at the command of my spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you. All right, you. Well... One second, I'm going to go and get the book. Hopefully, it's where I left it. You never know in this house. You never know. I want to lift up uh, Arthur's nephew, Father God. And of course, I think it was Tyrese's pit, Father.
it's not finished with me yet. There's still a purpose to my life. And so until Jesus comes again, I need to walk in that purpose that he has destined for me. And so I'm confident he's going to give me the, the word to say. He's going to tell me when to say it, how to say it, and to who to say it. In other words, I'm confident he's going to direct the path on which I need to go. And that's hey. what I'm saying. That's a decree. You get an A for the day. Yes, sir. You said it. You stated it. You personalized it. You even explained what it means to you. See, now that's a decree. All right, now. And see, when you're doing that, what you're doing, see, okay, God's saying now's the time to move, but now she's like, well, Lord, I want to move. I'm just not sure. So how do we, how do we, what I'm saying, how do we make sure that we're in line and in proper step? You keep confessing the word of God over your life, his written word. As you keep confessing that written word over your life, he'll begin to, he'll begin to reveal to you, activating the word. I'm saying not just sitting down. Hold on, I got to unlock it. I just, I got to unlock it again. But speaking that word over your life, you're activating it. And God will respond. He has no choice because it's his word. So that's the purpose of There you go. All right. Let's do this thing. I guess I need to change phones, too. Yeah, phone, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. I know she's probably going to look at you and go, uh, <laughs> somebody's watching her. Did I miss the reading? I'm about to do it in a hot second, my dear. Okay. Trying to find the book and change phones. Then I'll go back on mute. Okie dokie, Smokey. Okay. 
ain't gonna help none. Let's see if that other phone's in here. Child, how are you? Gifts, he's also see a lot of their doings, and he's calling them babe. 
All this does not signify, however, that the soulless Christian who long remained babes had no outward dealing with their sins, experienced no increase in the knowledge of the Bible, exert no effort to serve the Lord, or receive no gift of the Holy Spirit. So remember all the time when I'm praying that the Holy Spirit continues to strive with us? That, that's what he does. See, God doesn't give up on us. And even when I'm talking about right now for us to continue to move, see, that God doesn't give up on us. And it's a continuous process of cleansing us, of getting us to where, where we need to be. But what, what does he mean that you're soulish? He means that you're not, okay, I said you have the acceptable good and the perfect will of God. You're not walking in the perfect will of God so that, that he has to. But a lot of times, see, this is when we get offended, when we get hurt, because he has to reveal to you an area where you think you got it together or you think you have this, that, and the other, and then he has to say, no, you're not. But, see, then we get offended and we want to run into ourselves and say how they did. Well, you know what? That was apostle's job. You bathed. So, God, that's his job. We can't get healed of something if we still are trying to hold on to something. So he has to reveal that this area of your life is not lining up with his perfect will. So then maybe you can get to the point that you must be willingly accepting to let it go. Because if you want to hold on to it, you, he, he can't get it out of you because it's a willish thing. It's a choice. So he has to show you something and see, oh, I got to go, I got to go gully right here. I got to go to when he was talking about God was calling him into the ministry. He kept making deals with God. He kept making deals with God. Then they're like, well, Lord, if I pass this test, damn, well, Lord, if I get this band, if I get this job, then the last one he tried to make that deal, God says, and it didn't work. And then God told him, well, you owe me now. What? Yeah, you owe me. Remember when you said you do this, you do that? Well, now nah, you had a point. I need you to hold up to your word. See, that's what, how God he'll get that, that, that soullessness out of us. But we have to be willing to let it go because if we're not willing to let it go, then we're going to hold on to it. Then now we're fighting against God and we're not even recognized. Say to correct and counter all of these. They were enriched in Christ with all speech and all knowledge not lacking in any spiritual gift. He said they were enriched in Christ in all speech and all knowledge, not lacking in any spiritual gift. He didn't say some. He said all. That's First Corinthians 1, 5 and 7. From the human point of view, are these not signs of growth? We probably regard the Corinthian believers as most spiritual, yet the apostle viewed them as babes, as men of the flesh. Why is it that the increase in speech, knowledge, and gifts was not considered growth? Okay, wait a minute. Hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. Let's, let's back this up a minute. Because are we trying to begin to see how God views us differently than how we view ourselves? How God's way of thinking and doing is different than ours? From the human point of view, are these not signs of growth? We probably regard the Corinthian believers as most spiritual, yet the apostle viewed them as babes, as men of the flesh. Why is it that the increase in speech, knowledge, and gifts was not considered growth? This uncovers as an intensely significant fact, which is that though the saints of Corinth grew in these outward endowments, 
they fail to grow in their spirit. Mm. Mm. Wait a minute now. This uncovers an intensely significant fact, which is that the saints at Corinth grew these outward endowments, they failed to grow in the spirit. Now, wait a minute. Is that a contradiction? Because these are spiritual gifts that they're walking in, and he's saying that they're walking in all of them. But Paul is saying that they failed to grow in the spirit. Mm. That's making me think. How can I be doing spiritual things, but yet I'm spiritually immature? <laughs> That's why I talk about all the time exercising my faith. And I'm talking about you need an accountability partner. And I'm talking about outside this line, you all need to be getting together with whomever and spending some time in prayer, not chit-chatting, not talking about what's going on Facebook or TV or this, but praying. Those are the things that you can begin to do that God will begin to grow you up spiritually. Because, see, this is the this is the biggest thing that we as children of God have to come to the realization of, and it's, a, it's an uncomfortable fact. The more you grow in your spirit, the less control you have of your life. And that is a problem area with us. I'm going to just leave that right there. This uncovers an, intense, an intensely significant fact, which is that though the saints of Corinth grew in these outward endowments, they failed to grow in the spirit. Their intuition did not wax stronger, increased in preaching eloquence, Bible knowledge, and spiritual gifts is not reckoned as an increase in spiritual life. If the believer's spirit, that which is capable of communing with God, does not grow stronger and keener, God judges that he is not grown at all. I will just read that again and just leave it right there. This uncovers an intensely significant fact, which is that those who say to Corinth grew in these outward endowments, they failed to grow in their spirit. Their intuition did not wax stronger, increase in preaching eloquence, Bible knowledge, and spiritual gifts is not reckoned as an increase in spiritual life. If the believer's spirit, that which is capable of communing with God, does not wax stronger and keener, God judges that he has not grown at all. Mm. Wow. I'm, I'm not even going to comment on that. I want to, but I'm not. How many of the lost people that they are developing the wrong direction? Wow. Many assume that upon being saved, they must seek higher Bible knowledge, better utterance and preaching, and more spiritual gifts. They forget it is a spirit that must advance. Speech, knowledge, and gift are purely outward matters. By contrast, intuition is inward. Hmm. Hmm. How many of the lost people today are developing in the wrong direction? Many assume that upon being saved, they must seek higher Bible knowledge, better utterance and preaching, and more spiritual gifts. They forget it is their spirit that must advance. Speech, knowledge, and gift are purely outward matters. By contrast, intuition is inward. Speech, knowledge, and gift are purely outward matters. 
by contrast, intuition inward. By the time you're speaking, you're speaking, you're doing the different things, meaning that gift that is inside of you has grown to the point that you're now beginning to move in it. Quite sad is it's quite sad is the sight of that Christian who allows the spirit to persist as a babe, but who con con okay now here we go, Felicia. C O N C O M I T A N T L Y con committed to lately. I'm gonna spell it one more time. C O N C O M I T A N T L Y fills his soul life with speech, knowledge, and gifts. These articles are valuable, but how can they be compared with the value of the spirit? What God has newly created in us is this spirit or spiritual life, and what should develop into mature manhood is likewise the spirit. Should we commit the serious mistake of seeking the enrichment of that soul life instead of the increase of the spiritual life with intuition? We should have made no progress at all in God's eye. Mm. Wow, okay. I'm going to just touch on this. What God has newly created in us is the spirit of spiritual life. And what should develop into mature manhood is likewise as a spirit. That spirit, you know, that became alive once we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. He's your Savior first. He's your Lord later. What do I mean by that? Lord means he reigns. He doesn't reign in your life once you become saved. You're saved, but now we go to process. As you begin to grow and mature, you begin to submit and then let him begin to reign in your life. And normally it's one area at a time, one thing at a time. Because like in any other relationship, you got you let's be real. Okay, uh, he got to prove it to you. And I, am I, do I sound crazy when I'm saying that? No, because if you don't, if you're not sure if you don't trust him, then you won't let him in. That's what I mean. You got he's got to prove it to you. Not prove it to you like what have you done for me lately? But if you're at a point and you're walking with God, but you're not trusting him, then you won't let him in. So as he proves that, okay, I saved your soul, I saved your life. First of all, now I'm gonna show you that it's okay to let me have this. It's okay to listen to me. It's okay to let me steer your. And as you begin to see that he's taking, he's growing, and he's doing different things in your life, and it's working out okay, you then begin to become humble and submit and allow him in deep. That's what I mean. That he has to, you have to, he has to prove it to you. Now, what happens is that's, that's as a baby. You get to a point in this walk when he's like, okay, look, what you going to do? I showed you enough. Now, you're going to submit and become obedient just because I said so, or you're going to say, because, again, I'm going back to God again. I've proven to you that I will honor my word. Now, I need you to do some things for me, for my agenda, for my direction. And I'm not saying the things that you might have been doing were, were not what he wanted you to do. But nine times out of ten, it was more this more so mixed with you and him. Now you get to a certain point in his walk where it's about him. Gully. I'm just on him this morning. I don't know why, but I, because this makes perfect sense. When he's doing that, the stuff that oh, I love to talk about him, he's putting them things on his face and trying to just. But now he's trying to come up with a beauty company, that and the other. And that was part of his thing. When he was talking to God, you know, I, I want to do, he's got extra and all, and God would allow him to do that. 
But then now I got to the point where God, now I need you to go preach my word. Huh? So now, as he's beginning to focus and do that, now God is also opening that door back up for him to go back to do what he wanted to do. So am I saying that there's certain things that we want to do that are contradictory to the word of God? No, maybe at the time it might not be his perfect will, or it may be even his desire. And but again, in God's total plan, He'll allow that to He'll allow it to be due later. What did He tell you? What seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, all His righteousness. So now that God is at a point in His walk that He's beginning to do the things that God wants first for the kingdom of God. God now is allowing His business to begin to open up, and these other things that begin to open up. But He had to get the kingdom minded first, and that's what He's doing in a lot of our lives. He needs us to be kingdom minded first. What is it you want me to do for you, God? And as you do that, he'll take care of your six and seven degrees of separation. But you've got to be willing and obedient to listen and to move at the master's command. <sighs> really? This is interesting. Now I see why I needed a break. <laughs> mm. These articles are valuable, but how can they be compared with the value of the spirit? What God has newly created us is the spirit of spiritual life. And what should develop into mature manhood is likewise the spirit. Should we commit the serious mistake of seeking the enrichment of the soul life instead of the increase of the spiritual life with his intuition, we should have made no progress at all in God's eye. God considers our spirit all important, and so he cares for his growth. No matter how much our mind, emotion, and will may gain speech, knowledge, and gift, it's all deemed by God as vain if our spirit is not developing. Mm. No matter how much our mind, emotion, and will may gain by speech, knowledge, and gift, it's all deemed by God as vain if our spirit is not developing. We daily expect to have more power, more knowledge, more gifts, more eloquence. Yet the Bible contains... And even if we have more of these elements, we do not necessarily progress in spiritual life. On the contrary, our spiritual walk may remain the same without advancing a mile. Paul candidly reminded the believers of Corinth, you were not ready for it, and even yet you were not ready. And what were they unprepared? They were not prepared to serve God with their intuition, to know more of God intuitively, to receive the revelation and intuition. They are obviously not ready when they first believed in the Lord, but now years later they enriched in speech, knowledge, and gifts. They still were not so. By those two words, even yet, the apostles signified that though they were replete with outward enrichments, their spiritual life had made no progress since they first believed. Real advancement is measured by the growth of the spirit and by its intuition. The rest belongs to the flesh. This should be impressed indelibly on our hearts. Mm. You were not ready for it, and even yet you were not ready. And what were they unprepared? They were not prepared to serve God with their intuition, to know more of God intuitively, to receive revelation in intuition, to serve God in intuition, to know God in intuition. What is he saying? That's being led by your spirit. Your intuition is in your spiritual component. Communion, intuition, and um, conscience. That's the spiritual component. That's how you're supposed to walk, by being led by the Spirit of God. 
Do you really feel that you're being led by your spirit? That's a good question. And how would you know? I, I, I'm, I'm going to get on Fannie Marie now because in my prayer for her, in my prayer first, then in my prayer for her, was basically for her to move and he would correct her steps. Then I asked her a question, what are you doing that will allow God to correct your steps? And I asked her what was her decree. And when she said her decree, and then she personalized it, that's why I have you all personalize it. That's, that's sowing into the spirit. That's sowing, that's feeding your spirit, man, what it needs so that you can be led by your intuition. And, it, and see, that's why I tell you to put that up on your wall or wherever so when you walk by, you'll see it and you just begin to speak it. You're enacting spiritual laws. I don't want it to be in your Bible where you, you, you only think about it every blue moon. No, I want it to be on your wall so when you see it, you confess it. Because every time you confess that out of your word, you are reminding God of his word. You are sowing it in your spirit. You're letting your spirit feed on that. What did I just pray for? The now faith. So when you're doing that, your spirit, man, is growing and it's increasing. And, and, and it doesn't matter where you're at. You're sowing to your spirit and it will grow. It's just like you can go to McDonald's every day and get the supersized meal, eat it three times a day, four or five times a day. You will grow. <laughs> I pretty doggone good. But it is true. If you keep eating the wrong things for your body, you will grow, and it won't be in a good way. Okay, I was about to ask you about that. Good morning. What's up, man? I mean, I'm thinking about this guy who went around with super sizes, and he got he got the point he got sick and got out, but he had to stop the show. I believe that's right, but I know he got sick. He got finished with the movie, but he had to go. He, he had to go pay his dues for putting himself in that position. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm saying. It's the same thing. If you keep and see, this is the thing. Why you must recognize spirit, soul, and body. Just keep feeding your spirit. You know, when you start off, why am I doing it, dragging it, it don't make no sense, what's the purpose? Just keep feeding your spirit. It's the same way, like I told you, the, the guy with the super size. You don't see, first of all, that you're gaining his weight. All of a sudden, this pair of pants, oh, this is tight. You don't always see that you're gaining weight. It's the same way with your spirit, even more so. You don't see that your spirit is growing. What would we say? He said that the gift of, of speaking and preaching eloquence and all those different things, uh, the outward manifestations, well, they started inwardly. But keep keep feeding your spirit, keep confessing, and keep listening. What did I say? I, what might have been you and that? Go somewhere and sit down and uh, ask God. Uh, what did I say? I know I said get a quiet place, ask God to reveal to you, ask God to hear his voice, ask God to God, or something like that. But what I'm saying is, Make the time, because, see, first of all, when you first start doing it, you're going to feel like you're wasting time. It don't make sense. But that's where the diligence and the discipline comes in. Do it anyway. Then when you start to doing it, all of a sudden, here comes things that are going to pull you away, distractions. 
That's showing you right there that the enemy, you got to begin to understand that. That's showing you right there the enemy, uh-uh, you got to stop this. So he purposely pulls you, distracts you with things. And these distractions, nine times out of ten, ain't things that you can really ignore, things that got to be done, but you still got to make time for God. So now you got to alter your schedule. Whereas before you might have been able to get up at 67, but now in order for you to make time for God, because once you get up at 6 or 7, and you get ready, because, you know, you're mailing around, and, you know, okay, I got time, and, you know, I'm going to sit down and do his work. But now all of a sudden you get up at 6 or 7, and you get to milling around, and this happened and that happened, or I got to do this, I got to, and they're very important. Well, you know, you got to change your schedule. Now you might have to get up at 5, 5.30. You got to make time for God. Because the enemy's coming, what's his job? Steal, kill, and destroy. He purposely puts things in your way to philosophy because if you keep sowing in the spiritual realm, you're going to grow spiritually. It's just not. You see, that's the application aspect of it. You keep confessing his word over your life, that confession is going to move you more into movement and action because the confession is a spiritual application as well. I'm not just talking about reading and sitting. I'm talking about confessing while you're doing, while you're moving. It's going to move you more to doing because God's going to correct yourself. And if you keep reminding God about his word while you're actually doing something, he's going to begin to send people in your way. And what's going to happen when people situate, your spirit is going to be pricked because now you're more sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So now you are going to the left. All of a sudden, God says, well, no, hey, 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 huh? over here. And you start lining up more and more with his voice and start moving more and more in the path that God has ordained for you to walk. So the enemy doesn't want you to do that. And you keep decreeing over your life God's word, he must honor it. His word will not come back to him void. So you're not wasting your time. You just don't understand it initially. You don't see it initially. I know I, 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 God set me up. Oh, my God, he set me up. First chapter of Ephesians, I was saying that. Well, and when I was doing my readings, that was one of my confessions over my life. I would read it all. That's why I have some of you all reading it out loud now. I confess over my life. And it's been dawn on me till what, about a month ago when I read like, because what I call an apostle of Jesus Christ, and what I used to say, I say I'm probably apostle of Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, I read other, I say, I, uh, oh, 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 really, God, you just, yeah. I, I said it. I confessed it all my life. Now I'm walking in it, but you know, that was years ago. And God was growing me up, but the seeds were being planted. So, again, I'm going back to process. I'm going back to process and the diligence and the perseverance, and you got you to gotta lean not into your own understanding and let his word grow up inside of you by doing it over and over. And if nothing else I learned from martial arts was to do it over and over. And you know why? Till it got to the point that it was muscle memory. It didn't get to the point that you had to, you had to see something coming and think, oh, I must block that. It was an automatic reaction, or you automatically did. That's the, that's the repetition. Repetition is the motherhood of our learning. So you keep doing it over and over and over and over and over again. Then it becomes automatic. And that's the same, same thing God's trying to get into your spirit. And I'm going to keep reading. Uh-huh. 
We did it for the power. Huh? I said, in order to make something, you have something process about uh, 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 preparing, uh, preparing the materials in order to form into what you, what you need for it to be. Yep. Got to keep working at it. Uh-huh. We daily expect to have more power, more knowledge, more gifts, more eloquence, yet the Bible contends that even if we have more of these elements, we do not necessarily progress in spiritual life. On the contrary, our spiritual work may remain the same without advancing a our spiritual walk may remain the same without advancing a mile. Paul candidly reminds the believers at Corinth, you were not ready for it, and even yet you were not ready. In fact, they were unprepared. They were not prepared to serve God with the intuition, to know more God intuitively, to receive the revelation in their intuition. They were obviously not ready when they first believed in the Lord, but now, years later, they're enriched in speech, knowledge, and gifts, and still are not so. By these two words, even yet, the apostles signify that though they were pleased with our enrichments, their spiritual life had made no progress since they first believed. Real advancement is measured by the growth of the spirit and its intuition. The rest belongs to the flesh. This should be impressed indelibly on our hearts. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and finish this. How sad that believers today seem to achieve progress in almost every sphere except that in their spirit. After trusting the Lord for many years, they continue to lament, I do not feel I have a spirit. The difference between our mind and God's mind is wide. We, like those Corinth, tried successfully to garner much so-called spiritual knowledge by exercising the intellect of our mind. Unfortunately, the increase of our mind does not and cannot substitute the maturing in our intuition. To God, we appear unchanged. We must henceforth remember that the increase God preeminently desires is not in our outward man, but in the inward man and in his intuition. He expects the new life which we receive and regeneration to enlarge. And all which belongs to the old creation, he expects to be denied. Hmm. How sad the believers they seem to achieve progress in almost every sphere except that in their spirit. After trusting the Lord for many years, they continue to lament, I do not feel I have a spirit. See, and that right there, that's why on this line, with all that we're getting, I said, no, we need to be exact in our terminology and our understanding. This is why I go over this again, because every time I have you all try to say something, you've proven to me that. And, and I'm not, I'm not, and really because this stuff is so deep, I can't, you can't get negative because every time I go over more and more again, I get a great understanding of it. Because you have to, you have to allow it to grow inside of you. You have to see, you have to move, and it has to, it has to increase in you again, but it's only going to increase the application. I'm, I'm sitting here going, I'm remembering when we had the gentleman on here who, God, we started getting a spirit, soul, and body, and he started talking what he was talking. And I started going back through the book because I knew that scripture-wise, see, that's the other thing. You have to allow the scriptures to prove you right or wrong. You have to get beyond how you feel or what you think. You know, he started talking about the mind. and this. No, what does the word of God say concerning the mind? Now, though, I can kind of pretty much, I, I still can't give you quite a chapter verse, but I got a great understanding. I can quickly explain it. I, I can find it quicker, but that's the growth. That's the growth. But, again, that's why we got, 
learn your spirit, your soul, your body, understand that those are three different natures. They all got a life and their own desires. But you ain't as crazy as you think you are, Felicia. Oh, I didn't say that. <laughs> the difference between our mind and God's mind is why. That's why he says, lean not unto your own understanding. It's too big of a difference. Unfortunately, the increase of our mind does not and cannot substitute the maturing in our intuition. To God, we appear unchanged. We must henceforth remember that the increase God preeminently desires is not in the outward man, but in the inward man and his intuition. So now, even in that, we often feel that we're not doing anything. We're not growing. We're not changing because we don't quite see it. And you know what? A lot of times I've got to go. God has his purposes in everything he does. If you start always seeing, how can I say this? We all expect some type of reward. When I'm saying some type of reward, even when you go to work, your reward is to get a paycheck. You know, even when you're doing something, you expect something, even if your reward is some type of satisfaction that you did a good job. So we all expect some type of reward when we're being obedient to what God called us to do. But he's going to get you in this walk where you're going to do something and you ain't going to quite feel rewarded. A lot of times you won't like it, and most of the time you won't see it. But then he'll say that you were being obedient and doing what he called you to do. Well well done, my good and faithful servant. You go, really, Lord? But see, if you're always getting rewarded, Every time you do something obedient, what is that? That's still stimulating your flesh nature. You may not even see it at the moment. You're still getting your flesh. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and see, that can, that can grow up in self-righteousness. Let's see again. And, and the more layers of this onion that get peeled back, the more you go, wow, God, I didn't know. Billy told me the other day, he said, you got to stop saying you got so much to do. I looked at him. The guy told me, God, I, I didn't look at him. I know exactly what he said and why he was saying. I just said, see, this is how me, we, we said we didn't want to cuss each other out or we'll cuss each other out because we can't cuss out. I just looked at him. And I, and I knew what he was talking about. But so now every time when I feel overwhelmed, I, I go and I just stop. And I'm like, really, Lord, I can't even say I, I got too much to do. I'm being, really. But what he was saying was the fact, it wasn't the fact that I have so much to do. But I have eyes. See, that I, 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 that's showing me that I'm still looking toward me to do something. That's, okay, Lord, there's a lot on, on my plate or our plate. How are we going to do this, Lord? See, that's, in that aspect, I'm leaning more on God. But me just saying, I, that was showing me how much I was still focusing on what I have to do. So then when something's not accomplished, then I get aggravated. But if I'm leaning on God and allowing him to direct my steps and I'm moving at the leadership and at the pace that he set, then everything that he set for that day I get accomplished, then what should I be frustrated about? So I'm saying, oh, it's, it's, this stuff gets deep. There's so many different layers to this stuff. So, again, but that's the process. God will grow you out of self, but, again, he has to reveal to you you in order for you to be able to walk away from you. 
the God we appear unchanged, we must henceforth remember that the increase God preeminent desires is not in an outward man, but in an inward man and his intuition. He expects a new life which receives a generation to enlarge, and all which belongs to the old creation he expects to be denied. A believer fails to be spiritual because he is influenced too much by the flesh. Only one whose intuition is alive and who enjoys uninterrupted communion with God knows the deep truths of God. Okay. Okay. Come on now. Only one whose intuition is alive and who enjoys uninterrupted communion with God knows the deep truths of God. That means you're a constant connection. That's why I say you pray always. You're always in prayer. And then as you begin to as you begin to learn more and more about prayer, you begin to understand how that can happen because we start out on our knees. We start out setting time aside. We start out in our closets. Well actually we start out on our knees and we progress to those different levels. But you keep allowing your spirit man to grow this, then you find yourself praying always. Again, that's why I want. That's why one of the important things is praying in spirit. It becomes a necessity because you really can't. It's too much. Your mind can't comprehend. You need a direct link. Again, but all that comes with practice. 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 Only one whose intuition is alive and enjoys uninterrupted communion with God knows the deep truths of God. If the intuitive power is weak, what else can be absorbed except milk? Milk is pre-digested food. What this denotes is that the soulless believer cannot maintain clear fellowship with God in the spirit's intuition, and hence must depend upon hence must depend upon other more advanced Christians for the things of God. Okay. What this denotes is that the soulless believer cannot maintain clear fellowship with God in the spirit's intuition and hence must depend upon other more advanced Christians for the things of God. Now, he's saying that you can't hear clearly enough from God for yourself, so you depend upon others, which we all do. But, again, it's not for us to stay there. It's for us to grow up out of. That's why I say this line here is a training ground. We all going to start out as babes. We all going to start out, but it's a training ground for all of us to grow. That's why I, I walk away when God when God gave me the authority to walk away on Friday. I was done. I'm done. I got permission. Why? Not because of well, yeah, well, I'm tired, but also because I know I, I you all can't come up to the next level. But I keep trying to do that. So hey, we're gonna step up. Don't step up, it won't happen. Cause we all have to grow. We all have to grow. You cannot stay where you're at continuously. Not here. You're getting too much meat. Because you will, especially with everything that we got going on right now, everything that we're trying to get together and plan, God is really doing a huge move. And I and I know I'm saying that that is much deeper and larger than what I really think, but I'm just looking at it going, really, God, that's what you got me doing. Oh, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, and I want to just that. But I must. I must get out the way and let God be God, and you must get out the way and let God be God, and we must grow. 
Milk is pre-digested food. What this denotes is that the soul of the believer cannot maintain clear fellowship with God and the spirit's intuition, and hence must depend upon other more vast Christians for the things of God. Mature Christian fellowship with God and their intuition and then transform what they have been shown into milk for babes in Christ. The Lord permits such a thing in the life of a beginner, but he takes no pleasure in having his people remain dull and powerless and communing directly with him. Feeding on milk indicates a person is far less capable of communing with God directly and instead relies on others to transmit God's message to himself. The mature one has his intuition fully exercised to distinguish good from evil. We are of no spiritual utility, but we have many ideas, but do not possess the ability to commune with God and know his realities with our intuition. The Christians at Corinth rank highest speech, knowledge, and gift, but how is the spiritual life? Almost totally inactive. The church at Corinth was a carnal church, but all she had, she had in the mind. <clears throat> all she had, she had in the mind. That is not how God wants us to be. We've got to grow past that. The more mature, yes, are there for the babes, but the, the whole thing is for the babes to grow up. And the more mature, to go into the deeper things of God. You know, I'm looking at the football season and, and sports as a whole. The players, they go forth, then they, some of them become leaders. Then they retire, some of them go and become coaches. And then they become general managers. Some of them even become owners. They advance. You on your job. You start out making making minimum wage. I was talking to somebody yesterday. He talked about how he started out just reading meters, but he grew in the company. He had over thirty years of experience until he became one of the one of the first leaders in the organization. And about, about all the stuff he he had to go through. But then he knew every aspect of that company. He was making excellent, excellent money. So if we do it naturally, why do you think we don't need to do it spiritually? All right, last paragraph. Many of the Lord's people currently commit the same errors did the saints of Corinth. The words of the Lord are spirit and life, but these people do not accept the words accordingly. They investigate theological problems with a very cold mind, and search the hidden meaning of the Bible the design of presenting the best interpretation. Mm. They investigate theological problems with a very cold mind and search the hidden meaning of the Bible with the design of presenting the best interpretation. They satisfy their love for knowledge. They communicate what they have found by writing and preaching. Excellent though their thoughts, arguments, and outlines may be, seemingly more spiritual too. God nevertheless looks on these achievements as dead weight because they have not been achieved in the spirit. They have simply passed from one man's mind to another man's mind. Some readers or hearers may protest that they are helped, but the question is, what is helped? Beyond assisting the mind to acquire additional ideas, nothing else has happened. Such knowledge adds nothing to the spiritual effect in them. Only what comes from the spirit can enter the spirit of others. That which comes from the mind can only reach the mind of others. Finally, what comes from the Holy Spirit enters our spirit, and whatever the Holy Spirit transmits through our spirit can reach the spirit of others. And you know what? As I was reading that, all I could do is think about the problems that are going on today, the things we are facing, 
the killings in the schools, the racism, and these ain't things that have never been. And I, I, I'm going to. This is just me saying. Uh, probably because of the advance of social media, was just more, more, more observed. We see it more, but we are trying to get our answers to these problems, and we're trying to deal with it from a soulish, a mindful way, and it's a spiritual problem. I was telling somebody yesterday, he said, you know, ever since Obama got elected, racism just came out. Then with Trump, he, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's more out. It's just, it's, it was just it is what it is. And he said something very, very, you know, you got people walking around here mad at each other for no reason. They don't even know why they're mad at each other because it's a spiritual issue. They don't understand. All that did was just pull out that spirit of racism, which has been here. So we have to look at things from all standpoints. Yes, we must come up with rules, regulations, and laws, but we must first go into the spiritual arena, hear from the most holy God, deal with it in the spiritual arena, and then what is it in the natural arena. We're too busy trying to enact the law and get this person quit doing that. And if you have not entered into their heart to change your heart, what only God can do, then the situation of the person is going to remain the same. And the only way to enter their heart is through prayer and intercession. But, see, that would be waste of time and work or something, you know, something that don't make no sense. But that's the way that God is ordained for change to come. And, see, now we, I keep talking about this kingdom stuff. That's how his kingdom is going to advance. It's going to start from on your knees. It's going to start from being obedient. It's going to start from doing what he wants you to do when it don't make no sense, but you're doing it anyway. And then you start growing, growing until you begin to become willing and obedient and submissive, and you begin to divorce your life and your ways for his life and his ways. And then he said, now you're at a point that I can use you. Now I'm going to begin to use you for my purposes. I'm done. I ain't got nothing else to say. Well, you see with some of the congressmen and senators, I said to these um, kids, you know, for the ones that have gone through these school shootings. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of these folks have gotten ignorant enough where they got comfortable in their cushy jobs for where they're saying instead of these kids out here trying to rally for gun, you know, for gun rights and control, they need to be somewhere taking a CPR class. I was like, wow. One, if you get shot with a gun, what is CPR going to do for you? Two, these are young people. Matter of fact, they're at the age for when the next election come around, they are voters. And you sit up here and dismiss them just because they're teenagers? They're talking about something that actually happened, truth. They experienced it. And you're trying to shut them up by saying you have no voice? Also with these teenagers, it's up to the point for where they want to have, they want to do better than the generation before them. But then, too, you see some of them and some of the generation before them, um, they're just doing evil stuff, killing babies, killing people for just for no reason, just because. 
uh, like with this long trip order put up. It's not to keep out the um, it's not to keep out people from other places. It's to keep us from so from escaping for when they really lift the bone on what they get ready to do to us. Before Trump got in, they was making up gated the their concentration camps, but then they called when somebody called them on it, they said they was gated community. They have concentration camps, and they're like um, they're built in they're built built in certain places of the south. Trump, Trump, and then also with some of the people that's in with um, government, they're getting ready to go ahead and do Hitler part. I mean, um, they're getting ready to do Hitler. 2.0 or 3.0. So I get everybody mad at each other and you're scrambling about this, you're scrambling off that, and they're mad enough for where they're killing off each other, and then what's left over, they get ready to try to turn kind of America into a third world country. And if Trump was immoral enough to do all of this, um, Sleeping around on this wide. I mean, we knew that was about him before he got in. With all his indiscretions, how about putting our mind to the problem at hand and try to get that before it gets it gets too far to fruition? But in doing that, we also have to pray and pray for unity as well as to get people's minds right again. Honest criticism. Hello? Okay, I don't have the time for that. Okay, well, you work it on your end. I'm trying. I need your help. And I told you, work your end. I'm working my hand. How about y'all's home for y'all who didn't know? Uh, okay, so hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I'm done arguing with my child for the moment. Oh, yeah. I've never seen that nut or not. Anybody else got anything?
if we can help you or someone you care for, call for your free product sample pack and $45 in money savings coupon. Our counselors will help you choose the right product. And unlike stores, we're always in stock. You'll get what you need. Satisfaction guaranteed. HDIS. Feel better with you. Or you can reach Apple Pack with your free Give y'all some music while I find this.
and my sister Anne is now asleep.
enjoy Stingray music free on your mobile. And I don't have to go through three things for it all to run. It has to go through the shaking, the beating, and the pressing. And just like the olive, some of you may have felt like you go through the shaking, the beating, and the pressing. You went through all of that for your all to flow. Now your greater is coming. If it had not been for the shaking, I never would have been ready for the making. No. If it had not been for the teaching, I would have never knew how anointed I would be. Oh, yeah. If it had not been for the pressing, I wouldn't be able to walk into my destiny. He's preparing me, preparing me, preparing me for greater. I feel a shaking in the spirit. I feel a beating in the spirit. Oh, I feel a pressing in the spirit. Preparing me for prayer. I feel a shaking in the spirit. Oh, I feel a beating in the spirit. Yo! 
begins to work. Grow her up in your spirit so she can flow in you and through you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Yep, yep. Okay, and my decree is Matthew 7 and 7. Ask and it shall be given to me. Seek and I shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto me. Siri, ask and it shall be given to you what? Ask and it shall be given. Renee, seek and Renee shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto Renee. Okay. All right, anybody else? Prayer request decrease. my mother and also my sister and brother-in-law. Uh, okay, so let me pray for um, Renee's sister and brother-in-law. Oh, yes. Hmm. We thank you for running the We praise you, Hon Roskiraganda. We seek your praise. Hushkin Gosesh, Gosaraganda, Rombuskirigese, Rombuska, Homboske, Shendekiraka, Rondike, Shinduskurkumbuko. We thank you, Father God, Yenduskurkundiskurkumbuskurkandaka, Ukrasirikosede, Rombraskirigasa, Rombroskirigesede, Shinduskurkumbuko. Honros Karaka, Horombose, Shindastrabose, Hafabna, we praise thy name. Hushkirago Sandaka, Hon Saraka, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right. 
Samuel Fathers, remember the Lord my God, for it is he that given me the power to get wealth. That my God may use me to establish his covenant, which he swear to my fathers as it is this day. I thank you, Father, as you strengthen, as you increase in me. So that I can go forth to do that which you called me to do. Everything I put my hand to shall prosper. Everything I 
I thank you for your word, which is covering, keeping, guiding, directing, protecting all that needs to be done in my life. So I can do that, what you called me to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Anybody else? Anybody else going once? Anybody else going twice? Anybody else going three times? Okay, look. All right. All right, let's pray. We'll get off this phone. You say you ready for your prayer? Yeah. Lord, I come today to say a, to say a prayer for Brother Sam Farley. And also to give you glory for in his walks and the steps that he takes in his journey. Lord, you are our power source. You're definitely his power source. He is being a very obedient servant. And with that, it comes with great and honorable blessings. Lord, as he takes his steps today, guide them. And also, let him see your hand in the day. Let him marvel and give you high praise and the things he experiences today, as well as he appreciates the things that he sees today. Let us stay focused on the path, not on the distractions, but make the distractions to lay down and bow to you. Bless his household. Bless him. Give him the words for uplifting and encouragement to others who pass his path today. And Lord, let there be a loud cry of glory and rejoicing on you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Okay. Um. Everybody has a blessed one. Hold on tight. I am Sunday was Sunday, and Easter is the Sunday coming up. So we're going to experience some things, but just look for God's hand in it all. I will talk to you in the AM, Kelly Willie. <laughs> All right, talk to you later. Okay, bye bye.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.